Welcome to Still Dead from Chipperish Media. I'm researcher and liaison to the senior partners, Dr. Kelly Jones. And I'm story expert and slayer love and freak, Lottie Diane Rich. And we're here today to talk about Angel, season five, episodes one and two, Conviction and Just Rewards, both of which are watchers. He was fired. No, I'm sorry. He was set on fire. Let's just raise the stakes and we don't need to talk about, you know, fire. Conviction, Angel and the team get settled at Wolferman Hart. Angel in the big office with Harmony as his assistant. Wesley and Gunn with BFF offices next door to each other. Lauren in entertainment and Fred running the science division with her assistant, Knox. And also a young girl named Eve as the liaison to the senior partners. The deal is this. They have to keep enough evil happy to keep Wolferman Hart in business. But they can dispatch with, you know, the evilest evil. First bad guy on deck, a son of a bitch named Corbin Fries who is going to trial for a slew of horrible misdeeds and promises to unleash a bomb that will take out every living thing if he goes to jail. Fred works the problem in her shiny new lab that created the bomb in the first place. It's a biological weapon. The trick is they don't know how to fight it or where it is. Angel discovers that Fries put the bomb in his own son. Gross. Gunn goes to a lab and endures some horrible procedure that makes him into a new man, a new lawyer man. He walks into the courtroom just as Fries is about to be convicted and gets him off on a technicality. Now that they have time, Wesley and Fred work on deplaguing the kid. At the end of a long, demoralizing day, Angel feels hopeful. They'll figure out why Wolferman Hart installed them all there and fight them off. He opens a package and an amulet falls out. From it, a body apparates, screaming in pain. It's Spike! And hello, season five! So glad we finally made it. Conviction aired on October 1st, 2003. It was written and directed by Joss Whedon. All right, Kelly Jones, here we are with the beginning of season five. And you know, you know that moment? Like that moment when you go outside, it's fall and it's like the first crisp day and the air feels so clean and it's like a whole fresh start to a whole new year and you've got new pencils from all those back to school sales. That feeling is what I feel when we leave season four and move into season five on Angel. Yes. You just described my morning because today was the first like day that it felt like fall here in yeah. St. Louis. And I had my little journal out and I wrote, I love it. I'm so glad to live in a world where there are Octobers, quoting <laughs> Anne Shirley and uh, Ellen uh, Montgomery, uh, because that's just the kind of girl I am. Oh, and I'm like, I oh, thank it. God we're in season five. <laughs> thank God we're in season five. All right. On the perfect happiness scale with Stake This at Zero and Lost Your Soul at six. Kelly, where are you with season five, episode one, Conviction? I gave this a five. Um, All right. Because the brand new Wolferman Hart with Angel and Company at the helm, I am here for it. It's pretty cool. I love that we've got this game changer. I gave it a five, too. I really enjoy this episode. I love the new setting, all the new challenges. Gun in a suit, which, by the way. <laughs> hello. Hello. <laughs> Harmony as Angel's assistant is amazing. And Spike's return Oh, my God. All of it. I love it. Love it. Love it. But it's still it's a five mm -hmm. because I'm, I think I'm still like moderating my expectations. <laughs> 
there's some things in this that maybe aren't quite as great, but most of it is really, really good. Um, for me, my moments of perfect happiness start, of course, with the game changer, which I absolutely love. Um, mm-hmm. As I said in our last episode, as we were finishing up season four, I love a game changer. The entire world is different. We're at Wolfram and Hart. There are new challenges. We got rid of Connor. Yes. Oh, yeah. Let's not forget that. <laughs> I have to say that makes everything a little bit better. Um, And I love how we've got this situation where they're all fishes out of water, except maybe Wesley, who is just now in a different room with different books. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just so great. And I love that we open with Angel trying to go back to helping the helpless, only to have his new job literally follow him. Yes. You know, and <laughs> the girl he saved is like, you run a law firm? <laughs> <laughs> I love when they call him Mr. Angel. <laughs> yeah. It's so great. It's so great. And I really like this kind of ending note. You know, I mean, this was a hard, a, a yeah. really hard first day at work, you know? Yeah. But Angel ends with, you know, Wolfram and Hart is a powerful weapon and we'll figure out how to wield it. And then Wesley says, or kill ourselves with it. Right. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Aw, I love Wesley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Um, I also really love Gun. Yeah. And this, um, the, okay, part of it that bothers me is the thing with, that we've always had a problem with with Gun is that we act like he's not smart. We act like he's just muscle, right? And we've kind of come back to this a number of times and there hasn't been a whole lot of clarity as to, is it that Gunn thinks he's just muscle? Gunn thinks he isn't smart. And so he has some kind of like complex about it. You know, we dealt with that in the episode with Gwen, you know, Mm -hmm. recently, um, in which Gunn was also in a suit. So hello. Um, (laughs) And uh, and so, you know, he goes into Wolferman Hart. Right. And he does feel out of place. He feels, you know, like and so he goes and he gets this legal brain installed. Like this new legal operating system installed in his brain. Um, and I don't know, like, I, I guess Gunn has always been clever. Gunn has, like, come up with the solution that saves the day more than once. He's never been just muscle in action, like in the way that the, the show treats him. He's never been just muscle. And yet it feels like the show is saying, yes, that's exactly what he is. He's just muscle. So I don't know. It all it all felt a little bit weird to me. But in the end, game changer, you know, we've got him getting this this operating system installed in his brain, which is incredibly painful. And he's tough as hell when he's going through it. He's like, are you done? No, then keep going. And I love that. I love when he walks in with a suit. I love when he saves the day. I love when he challenges the judge. Like all of this stuff I think is really, really great. And of course, you know, there's going to be a cost for that, you know, because you never get anything without a cost. And so it's going to be fun kind of seeing that happen. But at the same time, like just this implication that we've always had that gun is muscle and he's not a smart guy always kind of sits like poorly with me because it's not true. And gun needs to know that. Yeah. And and I think it really illustrates how good Wolfram and Hart is at being bad. Mm-hmm. because they know how smart gun yeah. is right mm-hmm. like they said it's not a matter of we didn't increase his intelligence yes he had the most unused potential so we mm-hmm. filled it with knowledge yeah but the way that he thinks with that knowledge is based on ability that he already had that he already had but at the same time 
they're, you know, they're, I think what we're seeing is they're slowly playing on each person's biggest insecurity, yep. mm-hmm. you know, in a way that just shows Wolferman Hart is in this for the long game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really, really well done. Yeah. But like, I love that he feels 17% less out of place. <laughs> In I the love him and Wesley with the, the little I next know. door offices. It's they're so, so cute. cute. Oh and my and God. they're back to being, you know, mm-hmm. BFFs now. Um, yeah. And Gunn yeah. in court, I would just watch all day. I mean, oh, I would. My yeah. God, he's so good. He's so he's good. He's so good. And I love, you know, it's just, it. I, I okay, I think it's all good. Like, I like that he has that insecurity. I like that Wolferman Hart is playing on it. But it just always sits poorly with me when a show, like, tells us one thing but shows us something else. Yes, you know? absolutely. Um, so this whole idea that Gunn is just the muscle and nobody really, like, contrasts that. And, I mean, Gwen did. And Gwen mm-hmm. said, you know, they all think you're just muscle. Um, I don't know. Like, it just, it doesn't, it's not right because he's so often and, and like all the time is the one with the solution is the one who figures out what to do. Like, yep. you know, he's smart. He's always been smart. So I like that we've acknowledged that, that we've got that. I hate that he feels like he's not smart. Mm-hmm. Um, like he needs this lawyer, you know, brain in order to like, you know, be something better than what he was or something that he perceives as better than what he was. Um, so, I mean, I hate that because it makes me sad because Gunn's so amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it, it was really, really fun. And of course, you know, I love uh, the Gilbert and Sullivan thing. Yeah, I know. That was so cute. He was like, it's great for elocution. I'm like, great yeah, it is. <laughs> Somebody has been, you know, watching Aaron Sorkin. I think. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> and, and I love this change in Gunn, right? Because in the last episode, he's the one who said, to Lila you know yeah. why are you giving us your evil law firm we ain't lawyers mm-hmm. and yet now he is yep you know and it's 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 really really crunchy um it gives really, him a new really place crunchy. and it's more fish out of water sort of yep. he may be the least out of water now out of all of them except Wesley who's you know again went from one room <laughs> with books to another room with books like he's basically he's fine um speaking of Wesley I love the Angel and Wesley relationship. Um, I've always loved it. You know, we have Angel saying to Wesley, you turned evil a lot faster than I thought you would. (laughs) (laughs) And as I'm looking at this, I'm like, you know, Wesley doesn't know now that he went dark, but you do, Angel. What kind of a best friend are you? let it go man you know <laughs> and then i love this moment where he's like i'm not allowed to hit people now and wesley's like not people capable of genocide angel's like those are exactly the people i should be allowed to hit you know <laughs> i love this whole thing i love their relationship i love the the gun and wesley relationship i love the angel and wesley relationship i love these like you know the love stories between best friends are mm-hmm. some of my favorite love stories you know um so it's so fun to kind of see these you know the and especially between men you know yeah. like men having those close masculine relationships that are emotionally connected you know it's just it's nice it is it's so nice to see and then also there's that part of my brain that's screaming but y'all don't remember why you hated each other because right. angel messed with everybody's yeah. memory and like it you know you take away all that conflict and then their friendship is right back as strong and yeah. great as it ever was but yeah. it's not real you mm-hmm. know and so, and again right. like that just ties in so beautifully with what they're doing with wolfram and hart yeah 
Because it's all, you know, it's all like a shifted alternate reality kind yeah. of space, you know? Yeah. And, um, and that's really interesting. And I love kind of how we're seeing Wesley, like not in that dark, dark state anymore, you know? Mm -hmm. And like his his reaction to Corbin Fries is that he deserves to be eaten by weasels. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's really sweet. But the Wesley that I know and love would have come up with something much more painful. Yeah, I miss Dark Wesley. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. Like, I love, I love Wesley, you know, and he's not at least he didn't go, like shift back to goofy Wesley. He's no. still serious Wesley. Um, he's like season three Wesley, you know, pre kidnapping Connor Wesley, like yep. that guy, you know, um, so, I mean, you know, it's, but I do, like, I, I love Dark Wesley. And then, yeah, okay, I'm going to get to that when we get to our our yeah. research questions. I'll talk about that. I can't get into that discussion now because it's going to take us all on another another lane. Um, I love Harmony. Okay. Harmony almost makes up for no Lila. <laughs> Harmony is so much fun. I love her. She's off the human blood. She's looking for a regular life, just a working girl in the city. And then I'm like... <laughs> why like she has she doesn't have a chip in her head right mm -hmm. she has no soul she's a vampire why does she want to like work and be off human blood and like do a why i wondered if they put in a new company policy right away that any mm -hmm. vampires that work there had to be off human blood but why would she want to work there? She's a vampire. Uh, All she, vampires Lonnie, do great. They have the best they dental benefits around. <laughs> Come on. They're all evil here. They don't judge. <laughs> I guess so. I guess if you're a vampire and you want to just have a regular paycheck and you don't want to have to like kill people and steal all their money and all that kind of stuff, then I guess, yeah. I guess. But she's, Har but Harmony she's doesn't vampire. want to live in the sewers. Harmony exactly. wants like a Harmony really nice apartment. Harmony. <laughs> Harmony is not a lair kind of girl. She's just figured it out, right? Yeah, she's got to um, have yeah. money to buy all those unicorns. I guess she does. I guess she does. And you know what? I don't even care. I don't even care because who cares? Because Harmony and Harmony is the best. And yeah. I love her so much. I love her when she's trying to convince Angel not to fire her. And he's like, I said, kill you. And she's like, oh, well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> let's not quibble. It's just so freaking cute. I love Harmony so much. Oh, I love her, too. And when she's, you know, trying to convince Angel to keep her and she's like, we keep the same hours. All right. Creatures of the night. Unite! Uh, 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 <laughs> it's so uh, great. Uh, 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 it's so great. It's so cute. Let's don't quibble. Let's. I'm strong. I'm quick. I'm incredibly sycophantic. If that means what that guy said. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. There's just nothing. There's nothing about harmony that is not delightful. And I love her. I think out of all the various harmonies that we've had throughout the years, this is my favorite. Season five, Angel Harmony yep. is my harmony. It's like everybody has their doctor. Yep. You know? Mm -hmm. And my harmony. Um, also, and I have to do this. Spike's back. Spike's back. Spike's back. Um, <laughs> I'm very excited about this. Uh, everybody who listens to Still Pretty, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast that I do with Noelle LaCroix. Um, every time Spike shows up, I do that thing. Spike's back. Spike's back. And now he's back in season four uh, as we're doing that over in Still Pretty. And he's back here in season five of Angel. Um, and I'm just so delighted. It's just so much fun. Um, I'm a little torn on it 
mm-hmm. you know, because on the one hand, you know, Spike, and it's always fun and exciting. I love James Marsters. But, you know, there is this this argument that it takes away from his incredibly heroic death at the end of Buffy, yeah. which was a huge part. I mean, that ending was so powerful in a huge part because of the sacrifice that Spike made. And then to turn around and undo it is one of those kind of cheap things that could be really bad. But <laughs> because... They, you know, they bring him back, but he is non-corporeal. Mm-hmm. You know, he is being threatened by being pulled into some other dimension. Um, we've got all this stuff happening with him that is, I mean, of course, like, we don't know about that at the end of this episode, but in the next episode, we're going to see a little bit of that, of his disappearing. But there is a big challenge to him coming back. It's not like, oh, boom, snap your fingers and Spike's here and he's just the wisecracking sidekick vampire. Right. Like, he can't leave. He's stuck there. You know, they have a whole puzzle to figure out with him that's going to be, you know, uh, going on, trying to figure out what's going on with him. So um, so while it does kind of take away, like, it it doesn't easily do that. It doesn't, like, easily reverse his death no, and, and his sacrifice. And I talk about this more in the next episode, but mm-hmm. given where that amulet came from, yeah, it, it makes total sense to me, and it works, mm-hmm. uh, but mostly I don't care because Spike... Like, I know, I'm, I'm just I know. so happy. <laughs> I know. I just think that, like, you know, from a narrative point of view, yes. there are reasons why it works. Yes. There are reasons why it's not it's not necessarily a bad thing. But yeah. it does feel a little bit, um, you know, a, a little bit. A little bit. I'm like, oh, that death was so perfect and it was so meaningful, right. you know. And right. then to have that kind of taken away feels what? rough, but they do it in a way I think that makes it work. Yeah, and actually having that taken away from him works for me on a, yeah. on a bigger level, too. Um, yeah. I just love everybody's reaction. You know, Wesley's mm-hmm. like, Spike? And Wes is the first one to say it because, like, he, he you know, he knows Spike. And then Angel's yeah. just you know grunting like spike and uh, harmony just whips her head around and she's like blondie bear <laughs> I love it so much oh my god harmony is delightful she is freaking delightful i love her so much but there are some things in this episode that i have to stake and i have to say eve is number one with a bullet for me i hate her she is smug and annoying and she is not as good as Lila why isn't it Lila I mean this should be Lila I don't know what else Stephanie Romanoff was doing that she couldn't play this role but it would have been so amazing if it was her especially because Wesley wouldn't remember her and oh god it would be so great well so Wesley great. would remember her he just wouldn't remember sleeping he wouldn't with her. remember her yeah you know yeah I mean it's weird right like when did that memory spell I know. Take effect. But research questions. Yeah. So I am probably stepping in dangerous ground here, but I (laughs) actually like Eve. Um, No, that's great. I do. Now she's no Lila. I mean, Mm -hmm. she is no Lila. Yeah. But I do like her. Um, I like how she comes in and says, I don't need to make an entrance. I need to make Mm -hmm. an impression. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) I like, (laughs) I like when she tosses, you know, Angel the, the apple. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love the role as the liaison to the senior partners. Like that's something mm-hmm. they haven't done before yes. on the show. And I really, really like it. But my my favorite like Eve interaction was with Wesley when she's mm-hmm. explaining to them, you know, her role there. 
And he says, that's a pretty powerful position for a young woman. And Eve says, how exactly can you be sure I'm either of those things? I love that answer. Yeah. It is a good answer. It would have been so much better coming from Lila. <laughs> though. But they know that Lila's not a liaison to the senior partners. I mean, I guess well, she, she could have become been. that. She could have been. Yeah. And she having could have. somebody as a liaison to the senior partners, like the role yeah. for Eve is fine for me. I don't like the character mm-hmm. at all. There's something about her that just every moment she's on screen just annoys me. And I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just my personal reaction to like this actress in this role in this context. I don't know what it is. I just I every time I see her, it's like nails on a chalkboard for me. So it may just be a personal thing. If everybody else likes her, then that's great. Well, I don't know if everybody else likes her. And, I, you know, she like I said, she's no Lila. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I do like her. I just think it was interesting. So like she knows about Connor. Mm -hmm. So we know her knowledge is real. But Angel and the team just accept her at her word. Mm -hmm. Like how do they know that she actually works for the senior partners? And no one questions that? Yeah. Which I thought was kind of weird. I mean, I guess you'd expect it. That there'd have to be somebody talking to the senior partners and senior partners would be part of it. And I mean, you know, we've lost our connection to the powers that be with Cordelia, you know, so no more visions. Yeah, right. That's true. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I guess I guess we need somebody connecting us to the senior partners. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Well, we'll Um, see. We'll see if my feelings for Eve stay positive as we move forward. But right now I like her. Well, see, well, I'm glad that you do. I'm glad that you do. Um, I, I can't stand her, so it's nice to have a positive, you know, kind of counterpoint there. Um, okay, the other thing that I just, I hate, and I hate it with my whole hate box is Fred and Knox. Oh, I hate that too. I'm with you. Oh my God. So I mean, I really much. like, okay, I like Jonathan Woodward. Yeah. I like the actor. Um, you know, he did an episode of Firefly, did an episode of Buffy. He was in conversations with dead people over in Buffy um, in season seven. And so I like the actor a lot. And I think that he's really charming and very sweet. But I hate Knox in a couple of different ways. I hate the way the character's written. Mm-hmm. Um, he's so like quietly, you know, unassuming and, you know, clearly working for evil. So, you know, but like to be presented as just this sweet guy who's just working for the evil corporation. I mean, what are you going to do? Guys got to make a living. Right. Um, And then uh, the pairing with Fred, you know, uh, putting those two together, basically just so that we can create a division between Fred and Wesley, put like a a, a love triangle in there. Um, Because that worked so well the first time. Yeah, no, and it's just, it's just, it's Knox, you know? Um, And I also really didn't like the way that Fred is like, you know, she and Gunn have the same essential problem in that they demonstrate, both of them in these different ways, all of this competence, and yet do not see it in themselves and speak as though it is well. It's like known that Fred can't do anything, right? She's like, I'm not sure I'm the running things type. I'm more the running away from things type. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure the last time I saw you, you were beheading a demon with a weapon. Like, I mean, it's patently untrue. Like she survived for five years in Pylea. She killed the asshole who sent her there. She raised Connor. She took down Jasmine. She's done battle with demons, like, yeah, she should know what she's capable of. Except and we just saw her take down Jasmine. Except she doesn't remember world. that. 
So depending on when okay. that memory spell kicked in, she has no memory of killing the professor. She has well, no she memory of thought raising she Connor. was doing something. She knows that she survived for five oh, years yeah. in Pylea. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. she's got to know that. Yeah. But like, you know, this is the thing that like, the way that they have Fred characterize herself, similar to the way that Gunn characterizes himself, yep. the way that it's written, I'm not convinced that the writer's don't know that it's not true you know yeah for both no, of them true. and that's i think the thing that bothers me is not that either one of them would necessarily have that lack of confidence but just that that i'm not convinced that the writers aren't like oh no she's a girl you know despite the fact that they've written her as a really powerful strong capable woman and i i think that she would know that by now yeah i would hope she would know that by now yeah but yeah, I'm with you. I, I cannot stand Knox. I hate Knox. I, I, every, everything about him, I hate. I hate. Yeah. I hate <laughs> so much. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. Um, also, like on my list of things that just, you know, are stakeable is the whole spanky thing. <laughs> I don't spank men. Okay, I'm um, sorry. I am a terrible person. That no, delighted me to no and I'm so glad when that it did. Spanky's yeah. like, I don't spank men. And then they get in the fight and he's like, he's got Angel in the head. You know, head and he's like, do you know what I'm doing right now? Applying pressure to your windpipe. And Angel says, you know what I'm not doing right now? Using my windpipe. And then he's like, I have no problem spanking men. It uh, cracked yeah. me up. And I know it's ridiculous and I don't care. It was hilarious. I <laughs> It didn't work for me, but I'm really, really glad that you liked it. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Um, you know, like the evil commando guys who go in and just decide they're going to, you know, kill this kid and take out the whole school. Like, what the hell is that all about? Yeah. Like, I don't and, know. Okay. All of it is a The bit evil much. commando guys were evil, but mm. they were also stupid. So right. how are you the special for Angel now for an yeah. evil law firm whose CEO is now a vampire mm-hmm. and, and not be informed of the fact that bullets don't kill him. And I'm like, okay, y'all are in there shooting up this classroom and fighting. Open the damn blinds. It's daytime <laughs> outside. He's a vampire. He's like, a come vampire. on. Like you're that. Yeah. It was so no, stupid. They're, just, they're terrible. <laughs> they're terrible. They're terrible. Um, all right. So yeah, the evil commando guys just were this, they were basically like a straw man antagonist just to provide yeah. conflict and they didn't really work. Um, all right. So that brings us into research mode. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, my big question is, okay, we know that Connor was removed from the story, right? So everything from Darla's pregnancy has been anything that had anything to do with that whole central has been gone and uh, presumably replaced with other memories of other people helping the helpless or whatever i don't know um so without connor dark wesley is gone which Mm -hmm. by the way um i don't think so bring dark wesley back um so what happened with him and fred yeah. You know, what happened with Fred and Gunn? Uh, Angel was never underwater. He never took away Justine's bucket. Um, his throat was never slashed. He never slept with Lila. Did they take Lila away from Wesley? Like this whole thing. Does he still have the signed dollar bill in his wallet? His scar is gone. Um, without Connor, there's no Jasmine, no baby with Cordelia. The extent of this is so wide ranging. Like what the hell do they think happened to Cordelia? Right. Do they like... All of it, what what has been wiped is one thing, but like what replaced it? Yeah. And Did they was it just boring? Did nothing happen in all those years? And why do it? they think they were given Wolfram and Hart? Right. 
Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, do I mean, and they, I, I'm, I'm so like, I, I don't, cause they don't, they haven't told us what, what they think happened. Right. We've just kind of erased all of this history and everything that relates to Connor, which we've had two seasons that have been nothing but Connor, you know, um, mm-hmm. how do you, what do you, I don't know. I don't know. And they never explain it, it and sense. it drives me crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, why is Cordy in a coma? What happened? Right. Yeah. You know, I, I honestly, I don't know. Cause you have to replace that with something, mm-hmm. you know, you have to explain it. So I don't know. That whole thing drives me crazy, especially because like you took away my dark Wesley <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and if you take away my dark Wesley, you've got to, you've got to acknowledge that. Like you've got to really earn that somehow mm-hmm. or make him dark because of something else right you know like the whole thing just change that one little thing and make him still that he still went dark you know or whatever <laughs> I don't know um but anyway so I'm I'm very confused by that I don't know what actually happened and all of it is driving me crazy because I want those answers mm-hmm. you know to like what is it that they think happened um we've also got this the five-man band is something it's it's um a, a basically a construction a literary construction where everybody has a different role right and so a lot of times in tv shows you'll have you know five characters generally sometimes you'll have six they'll have rotating in and out in various roles but you've got the hero the lancer who's like the best friend for the hero and the one who keeps them emotionally connected and grounded and all that kind of stuff um then you've got the big guy the smart guy and what they often refer to as the chick mm. um which is irritating and stupid, but I, you know, updated, it's the heart, right. you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> the person who's the emotional connection. So it used to be like Angel was the hero, Cordy was the Lancer, uh, Gunn was the big guy, Wesley was the smart guy, and Lorne was the emotional center, was the heart, right? And so now we've got a lot of these roles that are kind of melding and merging, but we've got Angel, who is the hero and the big guy. Then we've got Wesley, who's the smart guy. We've got Fred, who's the smart guy. We have Gunn, who's the smart guy and the heart that is Lorne. Yeah. And actually, I think it's shakier than that because I think Lorne is losing that. I don't think we have a heart anymore. Well, you know, yeah, because he's very much like they've got him working the entertainment division. And he's just kind of there schmoozing with people, but he's not really providing that emotional connection, Mm -hmm. you know, for everybody anymore. So, yeah. So we had a really nice five man band, you know, Um, and now it it feels a little shakier, like the roles are shakier Mm -hmm. for what's going on. I mean, I really like what we're doing and that we've changed everything up, Um, but we're kind of missing some of that. And maybe maybe that's a good thing. Because everything at Wolferman Heart is kind of, you know, cockeyed. It's all slightly off. It's all slightly displaced. It doesn't feel quite right. You know, yeah. it's an itchy wool sweater, but in a really, really cool way, in a really interesting way in which we're putting all of these people in this like very, very different kind of alternate reality shifted space. Um, so I kind of love it. And I don't mind that we've sort of lost the tightness of the roles in the five-man band that we had, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a little weird. I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think it, it really shows how shaky they are. Like, they yeah. are not even aware of all the ways in which they're changing and all the things mm-hmm. that they've already lost. 
not just because yeah. of the memory spell, but because yeah. of their new roles at Wolfram and Hart. And I think yeah. by putting them each in charge of their own thing, you know, Fred's running the science lab, Wesley's running research, Gunn's running legal, Lauren's running entertainment. They really are each becoming their own yeah. smart guy. They're each becoming yeah. their own hero. Like, mm-hmm. because they're they're becoming isolated. They're becoming siloed. Yeah. And and so it's it's really smart strategy. You know, if, mm-hmm. if their biggest strength was the connection that they had with each other, this doesn't feel like a direct attack because yeah. they're chipping away at the foundation you know? of those relationships. Yeah. Because yeah. Wolfram and Hart is smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, which leads me to my research question because like yes. I love you have all this narrative insight and like I know we're here <laughs> to talk about story but y'all I need to know what the evil doctor did to Gun's brain. I know. Like <laughs> seriously cuz it mm-hmm. looks like electricity and not magic but how do you transfer all that legal knowledge without magic and like were they creating new cognitive pathways at a super fast rate and then using magic and electricity to make synapses fire while connecting all that legal information to those new channels? Like, I need mm. to know how the things at Wolfram and Hart work because it's amazing. It is. It's kind of fascinating. I mean, it really is like, you know, if you think of the brain as a quantum computer, then maybe they had some kind of ability to download a new operating system. Yeah, you know, into that quantum computer. And it does. I mean, it's crazy how painful it was. Yeah. You know, that you could tell, like, I mean, Gunn's tough, you mm-hmm. know, and that was obviously like taking a lot out of him, although he looked damn good at the oh, end of it. Yes, he did. And it was, you know, very <laughs> Matrix and Neo. Suit, man. Like, you know, download <laughs> yeah. the Harvard legal yeah. curriculum. But I yeah. just, I'm like, yeah, I need to know how that works. <laughs> no, it's pretty cool. And that's pretty cool. Then my last question is actually a narrative question because mm-hmm. at the end of this, so they, you know, they're beginning at Wolfram and Hart. They have their first case and it's yes. basically a father, a son and a bomb. Mm-hmm. So like, there's nothing like a mystical bomb to add stress, you know, and timeline right. to this case, mm-hmm. but, but it has to remind Angel of Connor. Oh, of course. And he can't I mean, share that with anybody. No. You know, he can't talk about that. Um, And then you've got this poor kid with his evil father, you know, like ruining Mm -hmm. his life. So they're hitting all of Angel's pain points. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that cannot be a coincidence. Yeah. So is this one more way that Wolfram and Hart is working behind the scenes to tear Angel apart in ways that Angel just can't see? Mm Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I don't know. But I I thought it was just really interesting. I mean, yeah, I think that it's I think that it was deliberately written that way mm-hmm. to specifically, I mean, clearly specifically trigger Angel in that way. And it's a really interesting choice to make that, yeah. you know, uh, uh, Connor was, you know, had strapped bombs to everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. And had made that choice. But this kid was having a like, you know, essentially a bomb inserted inside of him by his father. And I think that Angel, when you think about as a parent. The way that everything that happens with the kid. I mean, I don't know about you. Well, yeah, I do because we've had this conversation. But like the second, like the first thought whenever anything happens with the kid, if it's a good thing, you're never like, oh, that was me. Right. right? Oh, no, <laughs> no. Whenever there's a bad thing, you're like, okay, how is this my fault? Exactly. What did I do to make this happen? So, so Angel, when all that stuff was happening with Connor and Connor was, you know, have the bombs and all that kind of stuff. Um, clearly like he you always feel like it's your fault so he would clearly feel like that was his fault and then here is this guy who's actually literally doing it and as much as he like is is mad at this guy it's also I think a feeling of 
that he sees himself in that guy, even though he would clearly never do that yeah. to Connor. Yeah. Right. Um, but you see yourself in that cause you feel like somehow it's your fault, mm-hmm. you know, anyway. So, yep. um, it is exactly, it was, it was a, a problem that was custom made to just hit angel where he lives. And it was really tough, but it was part of what made, I think this episode so good. Yeah. And on that, I'm going to brood after the long, hard slog. That was the bulk of season four. We are here at season five. And while everything's not perfect, it is, all really fun. Conviction is a watcher because it establishes the new landscape and the new rules, and it's fun to see our heroes as fishes out of water. And also, Spike's back! Spike's back! So great. (laughs) And with that, let's start talking about Just Rewards. In Just Rewards, Spike is back. Still dead and still ensouled. Not quite a ghost, but close enough to feel the pull between this world and the hell that's waiting for him. The amulet he wore to help Buffy in the Battle of the Hellmouth was given to Angel by Wolfram and Hart. And while they may have had plans for Angel, Spike is now the one whose essence is tied to the amulet. And he can't leave LA. While hoping that Fred can find the answers he needs, Spike haunts Angel as he makes changes at Wolfram and Hart, including the dismantlement of the Interment Acquisitions Division, which infuriates one of their clients, Magnus Hainsley, a rich, powerful necromancer who relies on Wolfram and Hart's grave robbing to supplies the bodies he needs for his work. After Hainsley kills a Wolfram and Hart lawyer, Angel goes to confront him, with Spike in tow as his wise-cracking ghost sidekick. Hainsley offers Spike a deal, betray Angel, and Hainsley will install Spike in Angel's body. Spike appears to double-cross Angel, but really Angel and Spike work together to double-cross Hainsley. All's well that ends well for Angel and team, minus a lawyer and a very wealthy client, but things look grim for Spike as he continues to feel the pull of hell and begs Fred to save him. Just Rewards aired on October 8, 2003. It was directed by James A. Contner and written by David Fury with teleplay by David Fury and Ben Edlund. Okay, Dr. Jones, Just Rewards. It's a good episode. Yes. Oh my God, I love season five it's so, so much. Good. It's <laughs> so much. All right, on the perfect happiness scale, with stake this at zero, lost your soul at six. Where are you with just rewards? Baby, it's Spike. My soul is gone. <laughs> gone, baby, gone. I gave this a perfect six because Spike. Uh-huh. Um, but no, really, I love this episode for some real comparison contrast. Like this opens up a huge playing field of Angel versus Spike. And what it means to be an ensouled vampire. And I love it. And we have snark and we have depth and we have research questions. And I love the Spike Angel relationship. So buckle in for many moments of perfect happiness because I got a lot. <laughs> I know it's so good. I give it a five. Mm-hmm. I give it a five. And I have, to, you know how I feel about Spike, uh-huh. right? <laughs> you know how I am about Spike. I love having Spike back. I love that they didn't make it an easy return that it wasn't just like oh here's spike and he's just gonna hang out and bother angel and it's gonna be funny like they're actually making it a struggle and he's getting pulled into this other place he's shifting in and out of reality um he's non-corporeal and i mean my god if if there's anything about spike it's that he is experiences the world through his body and his physicality and to take that away from him oh my god like that's i mean the only thing that kept him going when he had the chip installed was that he could at least do violence to demons, you know? <laughs> so like a spike who is unable to have sex, 
to you know fight demons fight something to do violence eat like, buffalo wings move, eat buffalo wings <laughs> play kitten poker like a spike who can't do any of those things like that is there's a price to be paid you mm-hmm. know like he comes back but there's a price to be paid and there's more to this story the fact that he came back through the amulet I think is a big deal. The fact that that had, you know, that was clearly intended for Angel, Mm -hmm. um, but then ended up with Spike, um, I think is really nice and really interesting. You know, what were their plans for that, right? Um, So all of this stuff I think is great. But when it comes right down to it, these misleads of, oh, Spike's betraying Angel, you know, because here's the thing. I I dock a point from Gryffindor for this because... (laughs) Because the thing is that, like, the mislead, when Spike and Angel, we have Spike and Angel having the discussion, and Spike's like, just kill me, just bring me out and kill me, and all this kind of stuff. They're having that conversation, right? But they've already made the plans to work together, you know? He doesn't want to to have the amulet crushed and and be killed. So that's misleading the audience, that's lying to the audience. And whenever you lie to the audience, then no, you don't go past go. You don't collect $200. <laughs> 10 points from Gryffindor. I do not accept it. So it's a 5 for me. No, I love that. And it's funny because you're right. They were lying to the audience. Um yeah. and maybe this will explain some things about my dating past. But like <laughs> I never doubted Spike. Not for a second. So yeah. when they were showing this, I was like, well, they're totally playing the necromancer because it's my sweet, ins- you know, insold platinum in blonde baby spike. would not do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love your faith in Spike. That's really great. No, but, but you're right. The conversation right, that he had with Angel wouldn't yeah. be the conversation they would have had. Yeah. Right. And after season four, these writers should never, ever lie to an audience ever again. Uh, yeah. So yeah, you're right. So. You're mm-hmm. right. So that's why I had to dock a point. But aside from that, it's pretty great. Yeah, it's so great. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, basically, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna gush about how okay. much I love Spike because Spike, Yay! I'm so glad you're because here, baby. Spike. Like, oh, yeah. God. And like, I know some readers really hate that Spike ended up on Angel because he mm-hmm. did make the ultimate sacrifice at the yeah. end of Buffy and died a hero. And I totally understand that. But this amulet came from Wolfram and Hart, and mm-hmm. nothing that comes from them works the way you think it might. Right. And and the, you know, especially when we're looking at Spike and Angel and kind of their mm-hmm. paths, right, right, of soulless and sold, and what mm-hmm. they're both aiming for and what has been taken from each of them, mm-hmm. I really think it works. Yeah. You know, um, plus mostly I just love having him. <laughs> and I love that his first concern is Buffy. Of course. You know, and like, mm-hmm. and then of course, Harmony's reaction to that when she's like, you and the, ah, uh, and the slayer. Ugh, uh, just, uh. I'm like, ah. Uh. <laughs> it's so great. And then Spike is just like, I must be in hell. Um, <laughs> it's so perfect. And, and Spike is also. you know, in a lot of ways, emotionally healthier than Angel Mm -hmm. when it comes to like self-care and self-compassion and Mm self-forgiveness. Because he's like, you would think that saving the sodding world would be enough to earn me a rest, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. And then when he disappears, he's just like, oh, balls. And (laughs) I love him haunting Angel Mm -hmm. more than I can even begin 
to yeah. describe. He's like the most annoying little brother in the world, except that's not really the right relationship, but still. But I also love, too, as you're talking about, like, you know, Spike being so much better at self-care, you mm-hmm. know, and like forgiving himself. And he says, I'm not you. I don't give a piss about atonement or destiny. You know, and I like that about Spike that, you know, I mean, Angel, I like a lot about Angel. And I'm not going to say that the, you know, Byronic brooding on the Moors thing doesn't work a little (laughs) bit like, you know, it works for him a little bit. After a while, it gets really annoying, though, because it's like, you know, you're doing good and you're trying to do good. And if nothing we do matters, then all that matters is what we do and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's good stuff. There's good philosophical crunchy stuff going on there with angels need for atonement and redemption. But I like that Spike is a living in the moment. And he's like, right now, I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not doing anything. Also, Spike kind of has it I mean, there's this whole thing about, you know, you're being possessed by a demon. Right. And we've had this discussion a million times about, you know, why is it that when Xander, you know, gets um, possessed by a hyena, nothing he does, I mean, is, you know, granted, he didn't, you know, eat the principal. He wasn't involved in that. But like, he did a lot of other bad stuff. Yeah. You know? And he's not held responsible for anything that he did. But the vampires are held responsible when they become re-ensouled, are held responsible for everything that they did while they were vampires. And, I mean, I understand that to a certain degree because there is a mix of the human that was and the vampire that is. And Mm -hmm. that can be, you know, confusing and definitely something that I think would give you, you know, would make somebody feel terrible, you know, about everything that they did. And to what level were they? complicit in that and we've gone through this you know we've gone around this mulberry bush with angel a number of times probably to best effect in the buffy season three episode of men's you yeah. know it's not the monster in me that needs killing buffy it's the man you right. know um so there's a lot of really really good stuff that comes from angel you know being so byronic you know um but i like the contrast with spike and the way that he doesn't do that to himself that he doesn't fall into that trap that he's not He's not tormenting himself because what is the point? I don't give a piss about atonement or destiny. Right. You know? Right. Um, I like that. I do too. Um, I like it a lot. And I love that we get so many different sides of Spike because like what you mm-hmm. were talking about with the five man band, Spike yeah. is almost the heart in this episode. Mm-hmm. He's the one telling Angel, you know, you are kidding yourself. If yeah. you think working for Wolfram and Hart is in any way, mm-hmm. shape or form on the side of good. Right. You know, and he, um, but it, it, he's so funny. He's just so yeah. damn funny. When he's in Angel's <laughs> office and Angel's yeah. like, I'm in a meeting, Spike. And Spike says, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't care. Like, <laughs> just, and him popping up in Angel's cars. Like, yes. I love it so much. And I love that Angel just happened to forget to mention to his friends that Spike also has a soul. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like I didn't yes. think it was important. Um, <laughs> I didn't think it was, didn't think it was a big deal. Um, but kind of. Well, everybody's the, getting a soul now, right? Yeah. Like I, I did it for. I wore it better. I like come on. <laughs> I had a soul before having a soul was cool. I know. But you know, and we get so much humor, and we get this great relationship with Spike and Angel. Yeah. But then at the end, you know, when Spike goes to Fred and says, "I know what's down there." And where it's going to take me, it's not the place heroes go. It's the other one full of fire and torment and it's happening and I'm terrified. Help me. But there's no part of Spike that says, I deserve it. So I'll just give up and go. 
Mm-hmm. Like he's still willing to fight for himself. He still yeah. values himself enough. He knows he saved the world. Yeah. And I love that about him. But yeah, like this whole episode just opens so much up between Angel and Spike, you know, as both having similar histories, both being terrible to, down to being in love with the same slayer like come right. on you know <laughs> and there is this speech between the two of them and normally i wouldn't read this much but mm-hmm. it's just too good not to yeah mm-hmm. so they're fighting it out you know and they're they're irritated with each other and angel's like what is your problem and spike says you've got it too good you're the king mm-hmm. of a 34 castle with all the cars comfort power and glory you could ever want and here i save the world throw myself on the proverbial hand grenade for love honor and all the right reasons and what do i get bloody well toasted and ghosted is what i get isn't it (laughs) it's just not fair and (laughs) and angel comes back and he's like fair you asked for a soul. I didn't. It almost killed me. I spent a hundred years trying to come to terms with infinite remorse. You spent three weeks moaning in a basement and then you were fine. <laughs> What's fair about that? <laughs> it is one of my I favorite exchanges it. in the whole it. show. It's so good. You know, but Spike wants like to, to retire yeah. on that hero's death he wants peace let me rest in peace right, right? oh my mm-hmm. god you're right i totally forgot yeah. about him singing that song mm-hmm. oh we need angel the musical oh we do oh we right. do. i'm sorry i'm just having a moment of remembering spike <laughs> singing uh, uh, i'll be back uh, in a second uh, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> take your time baby <laughs> i'll but, just play a little musical interlude and we'll wait for you to come back <laughs> yeah but you know so spike does he wants to rest in peace mm-hmm. Angel wants to fight to become human. Yeah. You know, and and Wesley tells Angel that letting Spike cross over seems like the most merciful thing. Mm -hmm. But even with all of Angel's animosity towards Spike, he still has to sleep on that decision. Yeah. You know, because at the end of the day, like, they may not want to care about each other, but they do Mm -hmm. care about each other. And I love the scene with Spike showing up in Angel's bedroom. And telling yeah. him about Hainsley's offer. And now he's insisting that he's good the way that he always used to insist that he was evil. Mm-hmm. And it's so great, you know? Yeah. It's so great. And even though they're putting on this scene in the graveyard for Hainsley, when mm-hmm. Spike says to Angel, I'm glad it's you finally doing me in. It feels yeah. right. You be in my grandsire and all. Circle of death. <laughs> So I love it. Good. We just got such great Spike. Um, yeah, no, he's fantastic. But we also get such great gun. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact, I love it more than I can say, that his legal knowledge includes the demon laws from every dimension as well. Oh, hell yeah. Because, oh my <laughs> God, you talk about a holistic curriculum and like, yes, that is done uh, right. Uh, <laughs> just made me so happy i love you and i was like hell yeah yes you mm-hmm. don't just limit yourself to your own culture or dimension yep. like mm-hmm. hell yeah you globally gather mm-hmm. you know customs and laws like oh my god i loved it so much um <laughs> and the gun voodoo doll down oh, to yeah. the striped suit <laughs> was so great and then you know when angel goes after hainsley gun is the one who says i know how to hurt him Mm -hmm. we're going after his money which was oh god it was so fantastic so good and i really liked hainsley um Uh aha i really liked him as a villain 
Um, I love when he laughs at Angel and says, you brought a ghost as your backup. Um, mm-hmm. But if you like at the core of that is a story of vampires versus necromancer. Mm-hmm. And necromancer has control over the dead and a, over the dead. A vampire yeah. is dead. So like I loved that. I thought it was yeah. fantastic. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I loved when Hainsley said, I'll sue you to hell. And Angel said, good luck. We're your lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> and then Spike's right behind him like, that's how you're going to fight the forces of evil now? Call the IRS. Hello, IRS. Could you fight my battles for me? Like, it's just so perfect. Oh, my God. And now we know what happened to Cordelia's knives. <laughs> because Hainsley's butler has got them. <laughs> well, they had to go somewhere. I mean, it is somebody has sale, to be grabbing a knife at every something. opportunity. I was uh, like, yeah. huh, okay. Well, now we know what happened to the cutlery. And um and I really liked Hainsley. Um like he was a very believable necromancer. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I liked his line, you know, and the dead shall rise just because I say so. <laughs> no. I love the whole thing. I mean, he's I love the idea of a necromancer, yeah. somebody who commands the dead and these vampires who are dead. Um, the idea of that, that, that this has never like occurred to anybody before this episode right? is beyond because it's so great. It's such a great idea. Um, and I love the way that, you know, Spike is like, no, Hainsley was dead from the moment he hit the ground. I was just... <laughs> I just had to get a few licks in. I just had to get a few <laughs> licks in while I could. Because Spike needs to be corporeal. He needs to fight, you mm-hmm. know. And, um, you know, when Angel sliced the head off and there's Spike's head coming out of Hainsley's butt. It was just, I loved all of that, that whole thing and this controlling of the dead and, you know, having a ghost there as your backup. Like the whole thing was so great. And the idea of calling the IRS, yeah. you know. Yeah, that we have this big, you know, Angel has been fighting Wolfram Hart for years, you know, and this is exactly the way that Wolfram Hart thinks and that he's starting to think along those lines and do those things that they would do, those legal maneuvers and tricks, you know, um, is such a fun, like transitional, weird space between where Angel started, you know, a champion to help the helpless, mm-hmm. you know. To where he is now, you know, somebody with a pipeline to the powers that be who are supposedly, quote unquote, good, although the quote unquote good and quote unquote evil. I mean, oh, the senior partners are pretty evil, but like how good the powers that be are, I think, is under serious, serious question. Yeah. Um, You know, so we've got these like fight, but he has no more powers that be. He lost his connection to the powers that be. Now he's connected to the senior partners. It is such a fun transitional space, you know, for all of this to be happening. And then to see Angel, you know, working those kinds of angles, you know, um, on these clients. It's so fun. And it's just a little uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, just a little bit. Um, but it's a nice kind of discomfort. It's a it's a narratively earned kind of discomfort. And I kind of love it. Kind of like the discomfort you feel when a necromancer puts your soul into someone else's body. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> and that reminds me, Lonnie. <laughs> this episode of Still Dead is brought to you by StillPrettyDeadNecromancy.com. The supernatural makeover extravaganza. Want to star in an afterlife version of What Not to Wear? <laughs> 
pass as people and move solid objects? Can you afford more than the average demon? If so, stillprettydeadnecromancy.com can transfer your soul into the corpse of your dreams. You could go for something older or more distinguished, but just for a few grand more, you can go with something pretty. And I suppose we all do in the end. (laughs) Go to stillprettydeadnecromancy.com and use the code WISECRACKING. Go sidekick. Get your 10% discount today. Or instead, you could take the dollars you might spend on, you know, a new body and give it directly to Chipperish <laughs> Media so we can keep making the great podcast you love. Visit patreon.com slash chipperish to find out more. Oh my God, I love when you do those. <laughs> I just wish when that demon was like, in the end, I went with pretty. And I was like, please say it. Please, please, please say it. Pretty. Just say the words. <laughs> but he didn't. Aww. And I was very sad. <laughs> But anyway, okay, so there's so much delight, um, but I did have three things to stake, mm-hmm. um, two of which are just personal stakes, Yes, one of which I deeply, deeply hold against the show. Yes. Okay. The more I talk about this, the more I'm questioning my six, but I don't care. I okay. would watch this episode again right now. It's a great and episode. It's fine. It really I'm leaving is, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but buckets are for taking away, mm-hmm. not for bloody remains. <laughs> like... <laughs> This is not okay. You know, so Angel shuts down the grave robbing department, you know, and sends that poor baby lawyer out to tell. (laughs) That poor baby lawyer. poor baby lawyer to tell Hainsley. And the lawyer comes back in bloody buckets and yuck and gross. And then Harmony is like, oh, bucket o' lawyer. And I'm like, no, that is not how we play with buckets Uh, on the show. Like, uh, no. uh, Um, and then Hainsley's showroom. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know that we've ever had, like, the chance to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. But I am irrationally afraid and completely creeped out by wax figures <gasps> of people. Really? I don't yes. think I knew that about you. Terrified. Like, wow. terrified. Yeah, like, when I'm on a road trip with my son, he will purposely search for them and, like, threaten me to have to go in and visit. Oh, because, my like, God. It, no, I cannot. They <laughs> oh, creep me no. out so badly. Like, yeah. no one needs a person-sized person made out of wax. Like, mm-hmm. that, it's just not okay. Yeah. And that scene in Hainsley's showroom looks like the scariest wax museum. Like, do mm-hmm. not, like, unsubscribe. Okay. Just no. <laughs> I was like, no, please, please, no. I'll take the bloody buckets. Just take away the wax people. Um, But then the thing that I really, really will stake, because this is not okay in Mm -hmm. any way, shape, or form, is Spike when he's, you know, and he's he's acting for Hainsley, but still. Yeah. Threatening Angel, like, I'm going to take your body, and I'm going to go back to Wolfram Hart, I'm going to do all this stuff. And maybe I'll have a go at that Fred. Uh Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, stop. Right. Like, we don't need this bullshit. I am so sick of it. Yeah. I like, can we just leave Fred alone? Mm-hmm. Like, this is not okay. And Spike's almost every interaction with her yeah. feels wrong to me. Like, there's yeah. something predatory about it. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. Um, I like him calling her the science queen. Yep. I like it when he finally turns that shit off and just tells her oh, how yeah. scared he is. When he's vulnerable you know? with her. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, I, I was just so. But the I way was, he treats her and talks yeah. to her and is a, around her yep. is is creepy and predatory. And I know he's a vampire, but he also has a soul now, and we know who Spike is. You right. know, right. so yeah, 
No, it's yeah. not. And good. like Spike has learned mm-hmm. his lesson about predatory behavior yeah, around women. I would think like, so. So yeah. it's especially even wronger mm-hmm. coming from Spike. Like mm-hmm. it just infuriated me yeah. to no end. Yeah. Um, but that was it. They that's all the staking I got. Not a lot to stake in this not one. Not a lot to stake. Um, but there are research questions. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we have the amulet. Yes. I have so many questions. <laughs> um, so the battle of the Hellmouth and Sunnydale when Spike saved the world um, was 19 days ago. Yes. And I'm like, did I miss a significance to the number 19? Mm. Is there something oh, about I that? Oh, I wonder. That, yeah. You know, because why not three weeks ago? Right. Or, or three months ago, because that right? was at the end of last season, and now we're in the new season. Yeah. That's about three to four months. So, But yeah. specifically 19 days ago. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's something there. Yeah. You oh, know, I wonder. that should have meaning, mm-hmm. but I don't know what it is. Um, And so, you know, Spike's essence is held in that amulet, so he's mm-hmm. tied to it. Who milled it back to Wolfram and Hart? Mm-hmm. And since Wolfram and Hart gave it to Angel, like, what were their plans for him? Um, even Hainsley knows that the senior partners have plans for Angel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I started wondering, is Hainsley connected? Mm-hmm. Because when we see him doing the necromancy work, he has this pinky ring. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, is that pinky ring decorative or magical? Ooh, interesting. Is there like a whole series of magical jewelry like mm-hmm. in a vault somewhere at Wolfram and Hart? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. It's very intriguing, and it's never explained to my satisfaction. Yeah. Um, so then I'm wondering about the Shanshu prophecy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it talks about a vampire with a soul becoming human. Right. Mm-hmm. Does it refer to Angel or Spike? Well, that is now a question, you know? Right. And I don't think we're yeah. going to have an answer for that. No, and I love the parallel that we get to mm-hmm. this and Buffy with the Slayer, because right. it's supposed to be one girl in all the world. Mm-hmm. And then for a long time, we had Buffy and Faith. Yeah. And you had all of the, the conflict that came mm-hmm. from from that. And right. so now we were supposed to have one vampire in all the world with a soul, mm-hmm. and we have two. Yeah. So it the, the whole thing is just fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. But also, if if there's something that you can do that's a worthy enough atonement to become human and have a soul. Uh, Spike literally saved the world, and yet he's being sucked into hell. Sacrificed his life to save the world, right? Like, Mm -hmm. what more could he possibly have done? Right, what do you have to do? Well, I mean, I guess, like, in the Shanshu, it's about playing a role, being a champion in the apocalypse, you know? Yeah. At the same time, we have an apocalypse roughly once a year, between right. all the shows, you know? Yeah. So, like, the, I guess there's the big apocalypse, you know? Yeah. yeah. But I don't I don't know. Um, but the biggest research question this episode opened for me was the difference between choice and control. Because mm-hmm. for, um, you know, four full seasons now, we've talked about the power of choice. Yeah. On Angel. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things that Spike says to him is, you think you're in control here? You're no more in control than I am. Mm-hmm. You know, talking about how Spike doesn't have a body and can't move, right. but Angel mm-hmm. has this illusion, you know, of control. And Hainsley, when he's trying to sell Spike, you know, on this double cross deal, he says, I can give you back what's been taken from you, the power of choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Spike tells Angel, I can't live like this, being useless, being nothing. You know, he can't act. Right. He can't make any choices. Mm-hmm. And then Hainsley comes back and says, all any of us really wants 
is control. Mm -hmm. So they're using the two words as if they're interchangeable. Right. And they're not. Um, so of course I had to look them up. <laughs> so oh, wait, 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 Dr. Jones, are you going to define the terms here? Yes, I am. Okay, good for you. I am. Absolutely. <laughs> so choice refers to options, decisions, the right power or opportunity to choose, mm -hmm. right? So the actual action of selecting, yes. and it comes from the middle English choice, C-H-O-I-S, mm -hmm. which actually started out as to perceive mm -hmm. and then to choose, right? Yes. But control is the act or power of controlling regulation, domination, or command. Mm -hmm. It comes from the late Middle English. And this I thought was fascinating, and I did not know this. Mm -hmm. So it comes from a verb, which basically means to check or verify accounts, Ooh. especially specifically from the Latin, having a duplicate record or the mm -hmm. copy of a role. Wow. And so you have like these characters who have valued choice, like choice has been their driving factor for four seasons. Now they're working for a law firm that is essentially a control mechanism. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's very slippery ground for them to lose sight of the difference mm -hmm. between these two things. And, and the way that they kind of painted these broad strokes with Hainsley, I thought was brilliant because... Hainsley offers freedom and choice, but what he really gives is control. Mm -hmm. He has control over the dead who have no choice in the matter. Right. And I'm like, okay, maybe Angel and the team have the illusion of choice because they made the choice to take over Wolfram and Hart, but how much control have they actually conceded without realizing it? Mm -hmm. Well, because any one person having control will eliminate somebody else's choice. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I, and I don't have the answers to that. I just loved, I loved how much there was to get out of yeah. this episode and no, how many questions cool. it raises. Yeah. Yeah. That's a yeah. good one. It is. So on that, I'll brood. Just Rewards is a watcher because Spike. <laughs> <laughs> Spike is trapped between worlds and being pulled into hell. And we are reminded once again that the senior partners have plans for Angel. All right. I love it. Because Spike. All right. Because Spike. All right. Kelly. Mm -hmm. What is making you still thirsty this week? Oh, I'm sorry. Did we have J. August Richards as a supernatural <laughs> lawyer? Like, oh, we did. Decked out in a fine suit and like mm -hmm. all the confidence and knowledge in the world because mm -hmm. I think the defense has learned how to swim and we are all still <laughs> thirsty. <laughs> Hallelujah. Heartily, heartily co-signed. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. So what's your favorite part? Oh, God, Spike and Angel, with all of their love and hate and tension and care and disdain and envy for each mm -hmm. other. But I swear to God, Angel looking at Spike and saying, I spent 100 years trying to come to terms with infinite remorse. You spent three weeks moaning in a basement. You were fine. And you were fine. <laughs> you were fine. <laughs> One of my favorite things ever. Oh, my God. I love it. What about you? What was your favorite part? You know... I, well, of course, everything Spike, but mm -hmm. specifically like that moment with Fred at the end, Yeah, you know, when he is completely open and vulnerable with her and not putting on airs and not pretending to have more control than he does, you know, mm -hmm. not pretending to be tougher than he is. He's terrified, you know, the only other time that Spike has ever admitted to being terrified was with Buffy. Yeah. You know, um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's a really, really great moment. And I love seeing that from from Spike and James Marsters in his portrayal of Spike. It's just so freaking good. It is. It was so good. We had two good episodes and it feels like Christmas. I know. It's so wonderful. I love it. <laughs>
Join in this discussion on Twitter. Follow me at Lonnie Diane Rich and Kelly at Dr. Kelly Jones and use the hashtag #StillDead. Still Dead and everything Chipperish Media produces is made free and ad-free by the generous patrons who support us to the tune of a dollar a month or more and make it possible for us to fight the evil of the world from inside the belly of the beast. Visit patreon.com slash chipperish to find out more. This episode of Still Dead was brought to you by the Chipperish Media producers who support us on Patreon at the power producer level. These people are the reason Still Dead is coming to you free and ad-free right now. So thank you to our October producers, Jonathan, Noel, Kristen, Alyssa, Alice, Erica, Shelley, Abigail, and Sarah. And this week's special message for our power producers. You have reached ritual sacrifice. For goats, press one. Or say goats to sacrifice a loved one. Or a pet, press the pound key. <laughs> Visit patreon.com slash chipperish to find out how you too can become a Still Dead producer. Other ways to show your support. Write a great review on Apple Podcasts, tell your friends about the show, or align your furniture the wrong way and suddenly catch fire. Or turn into a pudding. And to say thanks to our rogue demon hunters who take the time to write reviews, we turn to the first Prophecy Scroll of Season 5. I'm writing these in reverse chronological order, so post your review and you'll hear your prophecy soon. For Lil Watcher Girl, two points make a line, but three points make a pattern. And the research department and Wolferman Hart really, really wants to get their hands on a third data point for one of the world's most unique studies a mixed methods exploration of the personality traits of re-ensouled vampires. Angel and Spike are both right there in the building after all, so it's too good an opportunity to miss. You have been called, dear one, to select the third subject for this groundbreaking research. Choose any vampire currently still undead or previously dusted and Wolfram and Hart's special ops team will collect them. <laughs> Don't worry about the rights and responsibilities form. Gunn will handle the paperwork and Lila will handle the brides. <laughs> Who do you most want to see reinsold? Would Harmony keep her bubbly snark? Would Dark Willow stay evil, skanky, and kind of gay? Would Drusilla be even crazier? Make your choice and let the data collection begin. But first, just initial here concerning your immortal soul. <laughs> Love it. We will be back next time with season five, episodes three and four, Unleashed, which is a skipper, and Hellbound, which is a watcher. Until then, y'all are tired, I know. I just want you to understand that in a few hours, a virus is going to start spreading in this city that'll kill every person in it. And when blood starts streaming out of our noses, eye sockets, and fingernails, I'll have the intense satisfaction of knowing that I'm dying with the only people in the world who actually deserve it. Now focus, people. Work the damn problem. <laughs>